1: There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
2: Hey y'all, we're rerunning two episodes today, which means you might hear two hosts. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history.
0: hi there and welcome to the podcast i'm christopher hasiotis your temporary host sitting in for tracy v wilson who'll be back in four days but today is december 13th and ibn Battuta completed the account of his world travels on this day in 1355. the man born abu abdullah muhammad ibn Battuta became one of the most accomplished travelers of history he was born in tangier on february 25th 1304. now tangier is in what's today known as morocco but the city's history may go back as far as the Phoenicians in the 10th century BCE. When Ibn Battuta was born, Morocco was ruled by the Marinids, one of several Berber dynasties from medieval times. Battuta left Tangier when he was 20 years old, setting out on the Hajj to Mecca. He wrote, I left Tangiers, my birthplace, on Thursday the 2nd of Rajab, 725. That's 725 in the Hijri Islamic calendar. With the intention of going on pilgrimage to Mecca, I set out alone, having neither fellow traveler in whose companionship I might find cheer, nor caravan whose part I might join, but swayed by an overmastering impulse within me and a desire long cherished in my bosom to visit these illustrious sanctuaries. So I braced my resolution to quit my dear ones, female and male, and forsook my home as birds forsake their nests. My parents being yet in the bonds of life, it weighed sorely upon me to part from them, and both they and I— were afflicted with sorrow at this separation. I was then only twenty. Ibn Battuta traveled east from the Maghreb, along the southern Mediterranean coast, through Algiers, Tunis, Tripoli, and Alexandria. Sometimes he joined caravans for safety in numbers. Sometimes he met people along the way. He married a woman in Sfax, for instance, in what is now Tunisia. He spent Ramadan in Damascus, then went on to Medina and finally completed his hajj in Mecca. But after performing his pilgrimage, He just decided to keep traveling. He could have returned home, but instead headed to what's now Iraq, Iran, Somalia, the eastern coast of Africa, Anatolia, Crimea, India, Pakistan, Indonesia. He did, over his lifetime, return to Mecca for several Hajj pilgrimages, but on his travels he met with many rulers, emperors, sheikhs, and viziers. He served for a while as a local judge in the islands known as the Maldives, which had then recently converted to Islam. While there, he married into the royal family. In fact, Ibn Battuta had a number of marriages over the years and in multiple countries. He made his way to China under Mongol rule. While there, he saw paper money and was very, very impressed. Now, by the time Battuta wrapped up his life of travel, he'd have visited 44 different countries, if you're judging by today's boundaries. He hit up Central Asia and South Asia, China, and parts of Southern Africa and Eastern Europe. He covered the majority of the Islamic world— also known as Dar al-Islam. Ibn Battuta traveled 75,000 miles, or 121,000 kilometers. He spent 29 years traveling. He was a geographer, a botanist, a legal scholar, a qadi or judge, and he finally did make his way back to Tangier in 1349. Both of his parents had passed away by then, and upon learning that news, Battuta set out to explore the Sahara. He went to Ulata and Timbuktu in the Mali Empire, and finally returned to Morocco in 1354. Now, throughout his travels, he didn't keep a diary, he didn't keep a journal, and it was only in 1354 that he dictated his travels to a man named Ibn Juzay. There were no sources that Ibn Juzay cited, and some passages that he wrote were the same as other sources. There was some conflicting information, and again, all of this travel was remembered by Ibn Battuta. But it was eventually published as Tufat al Anzar, Figarayb al Amsar, al Asfar, or A Gift to Those Who Contemplate the Wonders of Cities and the Marvels of Traveling. Now, that title can be a bit much, but Batuta's travelogue is generally just referred to as the Rihla or The Journey. And it was published in 1355. After that, the details of Batuta's life become a little less certain. He was appointed a judge in Morocco and eventually died in either 1368 or 1369. Now, Batuta was little known outside the Islamic world until the 18th century, when his works began to be translated. He's often been compared to other world travelers like Marco Polo, for instance. For more about Ibn Batuta, give a listen to the August 2nd, 2017 episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's called Ibn Batuta, the Traveler of Islam. Thanks to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work on this show. You can subscribe to This Day in History Class on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever else you like to find your podcasts. Please tune in tomorrow for the anniversary of an ambitious expedition finally reaching its goal.
1: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
0: is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board.
1: This is Uncanny USA. I'll get you caught up with the seven every weekday. So follow the seven right now.
2: Hello, hello again. I'm Eves, and you're listening to This Day in History class, where we examine the past from the present. The day was December 13th, 1903. Ella Josephine Baker, was born in Norfolk, Virginia. Baker is known for her organizing work in the fight for Black civil rights and human rights. Baker grew up in Littleton, a small rural town in North Carolina. She was the second of three children, born to Blake Baker, a ferryboat waiter, and Georgiana Baker, a teacher. Her family and upbringing instilled in her a sense of communal responsibility, historical awareness, pride, and rebellion. There were no secondary schools in Littleton, so her parents sent her to Raleigh to attend Shaw Boarding School. After high school, she enrolled at Shaw University in Raleigh, where she majored in sociology. During her time at Shaw, she already had social justice inclinations, speaking up against restrictive school rules. In 1927, she graduated from Shaw University as valedictorian of her class and moved to New York City. There, she got jobs as a server and factory worker, and her social and political consciousness grew as she witnessed poverty and suffering in Harlem and the effects of the Great Depression descended on the city. She worked as a correspondent for black newspapers, and she helped found the Young Negroes Cooperative League, which helped people gain economic power by buying collectively. She became the organization's first national director in 1931. Throughout the 1930s, she was involved with many other organizations, like the Workers' Education Project, part of the Works Progress Administration, which hired her to teach consumer and labor education. She was also involved with the Women's Day Workers and Industrial League, the Harlem Housewives Cooperative, and the Harlem Young Women's Christian Association. And she wrote about economic oppression, In 1935, she and Marvell Cook co-authored an exposé on the exploitation of Black domestic workers. By the early 1940s, Baker had become an assistant field secretary and later national field secretary for the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, or NAACP. She traveled around the South U.S., organizing NAACP branches and starting membership drives. Though she worked with the NAACP for a while, she resigned from her post as director of branches in 1946. She was disillusioned with the organization because it was so bureaucratic and because it relied so heavily on legal approaches to fight discrimination. Baker supported more control from the branches rather than the existing top-down approach. Around this time, she married Thomas Roberts and took on the responsibility of raising her niece, Jacqueline, but she's still associated with the NAACP as president of the New York branch and was an advisor to the organization's Youth Council. When activists in the South were preparing for the Montgomery bus boycott, Baker, along with A. Philip Randolph, Bayard Rustin, and Stanley Levison, founded a group called In Friendship. In Friendship supported desegregation in the South and provided financial assistance to the boycotts. In the wake of the successful boycotts, civil rights leaders formed the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, or SCLC. Baker emerged as a leader whose organizing was integral to its projects, and she became a director in the SCLC. Though she coordinated the organization's voter rights campaign and ran the office, she rejected its hierarchical, charismatic leadership centered around Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in favor of group-centered leadership. Also, women in the organization were often relegated to administrative roles. Baker resigned from the SCLC in 1960. She turned her attention to the sit-ins students were initiating in the South, and she helped organize the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, or SNCC, which led more sit-ins, voter registration drives, and other civil rights initiatives. Baker helped organize the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, a grassroots political organization that challenged the all-white Mississippi Democratic Party. And she joined the Southern Conference Educational Fund, an interracial organization that advocated for white support of racial justice. Throughout the rest of her life, she remained committed to championing civil and human rights, working with groups like the Puerto Rican Solidarity Committee and the African National Congress. Baker died in New York on her 83rd birthday. I'm Yves Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you're hungry for more history, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Podcast, And you can email us at thisday at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks for going on this trip through history with us. We'll see you again tomorrow with another episode.